Genoa. And this is Yusuf. And this is Internet. Hey guys, so we're still in Black History Month, and I guess you guys enjoyed um well if you're in LA, enjoyed the Rams taking home a Super Bowl and yesterday So and yesterday being a Valentine's Day and you guys uh either uh, treated yourself to some loving or someone else, whatever <laughs> works for you. <laughs> but uh, today uh, we are going to review um, the 2021 release based off of the queen 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 of so Aretha Franklin and movie is called Respect. Yes, so it is. It stars uh, Jennifer Hudson um, and Forrest Whitaker, Marlon Waylands, Titus Burgess, and a few other folks. Mm -hmm. Um, Go ahead. No, I was just saying, uh, that's what I say. Like the the movie is directed by uh, Leslie Tommy, and I. I think this is her first directorial debut. Um, for, she, for a feature, for a feature film, it is for a feature film. Yes, yeah, yeah. And, she's yeah, done. Sure. I think she's done um, some Walking Dead episodes. She did Jessica Jones, uh-huh. uh, and I think a Lifetime movie about Dolly Parton or something. Yeah, Dolly Parton's Heartstrings. That was a TV yeah. series. I didn't even know that. <laughs> It was a series. I was thinking it sounds like it should be a movie, but I'll I'll take series. <laughs> yeah, if it's Dolly, yes, we'll, we'll take all of Dolly. Uh, yeah, and yeah, this is her feature, uh, and it's cool. Actually, it's really cool to see, especially you know with you know uh, first time di- directors doing features, how they start off, you know, doing uh, shows and episodes of shows and kind of. You know, sharpening their knives, so to speak. So when the opportunity comes for them to do features, you know, they, you know, they they ready and prepared. And uh, yeah, she definitely uh, definitely brought it visually on the big screen. <laughs> yes. So um, the movie Respect follows Aretha Franklin's career from child singing in her father's church choir all the way up um, until really sort of the end of her life. Um, the last, like, I guess the eighties, nineties, two thousands, it was just a uh, copy on the screen telling us what she, she did and, and mm. some like real life clips. But most mm. of the story is really following Aretha um, in the fifties, sixties and seventies. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Aretha Franklin born Aretha Louise Franklin. On March twenty fifth, nineteen forty two, Memphis, Tennessee. That's that's where that voice come from. That's that 
that, <laughs> that, that Southern church, that Southern church voice. Um, yeah, and she passed away uh, on uh, 2018. So from 1954 to 2018. Yeah. Um, and she she was raised in the uh, Baptist church. Um, not Southern Baptists that I'm like familiar with in Texas where there's no singing or dancing allowed. It is uh, the black Baptist church where they encourage singing and being in touch with the spirit. Wait a minute. So the, the white Southern Baptist churches don't do that. No, they, they don't encourage singing or dancing. That's the whole like footloose. Right, that's true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's weird. I thought like all Baptists, white or black, kind of got down the same way. Interesting. No, they diverged. Um, the black churches are still having some fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, well, you know, the black churches have to have some was catharsis to. You know, get all the frustration out of all the Jim Crow and segregation that was happening. Right, right. And slavery and everything. Yeah. Yes, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, like we had, we couldn't keep that inside. We had to let that out, you know, in order to stay sane. Uh, yes. Yeah. And so, yeah, Jennifer Hudson, who um, got an Oscar for Dream Girls, uh, if I'm not mistaken, um, in her portrayal. In the Dream Girls movie, uh, now she's filling huge shoes to portray uh, the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin. Yeah, um, and, and Aretha Franklin actually did select um, Jennifer to to play her before she passed away. So uh, I believe this film had been in production or like talked about for a long time. So. Right. Aretha Franklin was able to select the person that she wanted to play her prior to her passing, which is, is really nice. Yeah. Um, and wow. Uh, people forget, like, not, I'm not going to say people forget, but like, I kind of forget like how much of uh, a sonic boom punch Jennifer Hudson voice is. <laughs> Um, until when I watched it, I was like, all right, I forget. Jennifer Hudson's voice is can crack a mountain. Like, it's just so powerful. And I see why Aretha was like, yeah, I want her to play me. <laughs> yeah, because honestly, I don't know, can you think of any, like, artists, uh, you know, or, you know, like, black, you know, singers, like, you know, women that kind of have that you know, voice right now. I can't really think of anyone outside of Jennifer Hudson that could really just like l lay some foundation. Like, um, I I mean the one the one person that comes to mind is Adele. Yeah, um, but it is it it's a like a totally. She has that same type of power, but it's a different type of power in that. Um, Jennifer Hudson has more of that soul, like pain. Mm. Uh, whereas Adele has that, she still has that pain, but it's not, it doesn't feel like it's coming from her soul. It's just, I don't know, it's different. Yeah, uh, I agree. No, I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, it's like, 
when you hear them, it's two different. It's coming from two different places, but still, you know, powerful voices. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Adele do definitely. She definitely has. She definitely have the punch. Without <laughs> about that. Um, yeah. So, so this movie, like Jim was saying, it just it starts off with you know uh, her and her you know young years. I think she was like nine or ten or something like that. We we see her um, and you know one one uh, I guess one day at church. You know we see. We see her father kind of doing a sermon, and then he asking for little Aretha, "Hey, Aretha, come! Like, come on, we need you to sing, we need you to sing." You know, and a couple of people look at her like, "This little girl, like, why y'all, why y'all want her to sing?" And then you know, she get up on the podium and you know, and kind of shut up all the critics. I mean, it kind of the movie sets up the fact that she had this you know voice that no one cannot deny at such a young age that she literally brings the church down when she's a little girl. Um, And yeah, and then uh, her natural kind of evolution from there and kind of the tug of war of, you know, the church, you know, being pigeonholed into, you know, being a church singer and kind of what her father wanted her to do as far as, you know, just kind of just praising, just praise and just praise Jesus and don't do anything else kind of. But she was longing yeah. to do something else. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so we, we see her um, in the beginning of the movie, a very young child at the church. But even though she was born in Tennessee, her father's church was in Detroit. And so if you think about Detroit in the 50s, mm. that's really like the beginning of Motown. So the people that were at the church and she was surrounded by were people like Smokey Robinson mm. and just some absolutely amazing singers. So even though she was singing gospel and church songs, she was also surrounded by that um, that 50s, 60s blues. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. And you're right. I'm glad you brought that up because, yeah, you had, you know, Motel just really about to take off. I think it was one scene where Smokey was telling him, oh, yeah, you know, they're doing some, oh, we're doing some awesome three things over at Motown. You know, Barry is like setting up some awesome stuff over there. Da, 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 da. Um, I just imagine, like, in a parallel universe, like, if Aretha Franklin actually sat on the Motown, like, how her trajectory would have in like yeah she would have hit her hits faster but like I don't know if that would have been to the detriment of her you know kind of evolving you know because I guess things happen when it's supposed to happen but it, I was always curious like I wonder if she was right there with you know uh you know the 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 Supremes and you know Marvin Gaye and all them you know how she would have like measured out but yeah. yeah, well, I, I wonder between her and her like sisters, would they become like a Supremes Me Too? And it would just be another trio of women with her in the front leading the pack. But, yeah, totally. you know, not but, Aretha. Yeah, but I would tell you one thing. It wouldn't be the Supremes probably wouldn't have, have come about if Aretha and her sisters were kind of doing it over in Motown. Because, I mean, yeah, Diana Ross, yeah, she's cool, but she don't have the voice of Aretha Franklin. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I think Diana probably would have fought really hard if Aretha was kind of established herself as, hey, I'm the 
female voice of Motown, you know. Or we end up with the two of them in a group together. Yeah, it probably wouldn't have lasted long because <laughs> Diana Ross would have convinced Barry Gordy to break it up because, you know, Diana have to be the one, just like she did with the Supremes. Who've <laughs> been the drama all over again. But anywho. Uh, so, yeah. So, so, yeah, I mean, the way so the way the film is set up is that we see these little clips of life and then we see uh, throughout the movie, they call her Riri. So I guess that, that was her name that the family called her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then between like these little snippets of her life, you really see the performances. And so the beginning of the movie, we see her as a child and then singing in the church until she becomes, she's roughly 17 or 18 and when she, is when she went on the road with Martin Luther King. So we see her interacting with him uh, mm. and then she's performing again. And then we see her uh, headed to New York where she signs with Columbia mm-hmm. um, where she records, I think something like four, four, no, seven records. It was, yeah. It was, records, it was like seven, all, eight, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, ultimately, she didn't have any hits when she was with Columbia and ended up signing with another record company who then sends her to like the South to record with a bunch of white boys, mm-hmm. um, which I had no idea and s- sort of hilarious. <laughs> but they like they brought this soul and really like the uptown funk that mm-hmm. she needed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Her hits. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it is funny. You're right. It's funny how that works. Like, just like, hey, like what they say, funk is universal. Like you feel like you feel it or you don't feel it. And like in those those band members down there like had it. Um, yeah, it's like the 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 bass riffs, all, I like they just knew how to come in. And you know, and I just love that sequence where, you know, Aretha. I forget, was it Chain of Fools? It was one of them they were kind of going over. And it was just a lot kind of on top of each other, like instrument-wise. And she was like, okay, like, all right, everybody stop, okay? Like, do this. Like, okay, like, we don't need to do that much. Like, come in with that. And then just come with the bass. Like, don't do too much. Like, just kind of, you know. And then it was just building and building and building. And bam, there you go. Um, they, they were so good that Aretha requested them you know, I think for the next album, or they, like if it was a tour, it's like okay, they coming with me. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. I mean, for for modern audiences, it's it reminded me of Sharon Jones and the Daft Kings. Um, when you hear her music, you think everyone was probably a black musician, but it's all these like white Jewish boys <laughs> supporting Sharon Jones with that amazing voice. Um, if she was still alive, I would say that like she, she could easily compete with Jennifer Hudson. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. She, yeah, she had a thunderous voice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then and with the journey, of course, with all musicians and of course, biopics, you gotta have your, you know, you got to have your down. You got to have like your nose dive in your career. And hers was like alcoholism. Um, so well, I mean, she she had a few 
negative things, really bad things that happen. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, on top of the sexual abuse stuff have, that happens right at a young age, but I'm talking about like when they hit like fame, it's kind of like their vice. It's always like the vice that spirals them, right? Uh, so, you know, it can be heroin, coke, whatever, but I guess like she liked to hit the bottle, you know, um, to the point where she was. I think one show she was drawing. I kind of want to go and look at the YouTube video with that actual performance because I was like, "Damn, that's that's crazy." That actually happened. <laughs> yeah. So at least according to, to the movie, there was one performance where she was super drunk and fell off the stage, and that was her personal rock bottom of facing her demons. Oh uh, yeah, uh, yeah. And so around this time. The sobering moment was uh, when uh, Dr. Martin Luther King got assassinated, um, and that's that definitely shook her up. <clears throat> and she, um, she, she, she uh, you know, she, she's saying that uh, Dr. King's weight, um, and then that that really brought her back to church. That was like the moment where. She had to kind of clean herself up and, you know. Yeah, I think it was the combination of his death. Um, Who is the the female, the woman that was the leader of the uh, Panthers that got arrested? Yeah, Angela Davis. Right. That's what she started getting. Right. Her arrest and then also like hitting rock bottom with the alcohol. Those three things combined to, to make her realize that in order to fight her own personal demons, um, to continue to live and, and be better that she needs to go back to her roots and go back to the church. Mm-hmm. And she recorded uh, a gospel album in, mm-hmm. I believe, a church here in Los Angeles, wasn't it? Uh, uh, maybe. <laughs> it was in 1972 on that one. Uh, where, where, where? Yeah, I'm 90 percent sure it was, it was a church. Oh yeah, yeah, the uh, new, new New Temple Missionary Baptist in uh, L.A. Yeah, and it ended up being her best-selling record of all time. Um, you can actually go online and, and find video clips of it because they did record the entire thing. They felt that by showing what the black Baptist church experience would be, would, um, would be appealing to white audiences and help sell the record. Right. Yeah. And, and it's kind of like an, an irony, like, cause she was just so hell bent on getting hits that ultimately her church album was her biggest like hit right. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the Lord trying to tell you something. Um, so, but yeah, and that's and it, it, I just it was, I uh, it it was good how you know the movie ultimately like kind of bookend her that moment in her life was when she was uh, performing uh, her her uh, Amazing Grace album, you know, in church. So it like it started off with her, you know, as a little girl at church, and it ended with her, you know, back at church singing. Um, and so, and like Jen was said, there were you know um, clips at the end around the credits where I think was it when uh, when they were honoring Obama 
at the Kennedy Center? I forget when she was, yeah. Like the footage of her just going off and just, you know, being Aretha and doing her thing. Um, so yeah, she was a hell of an entertainer to the end. Um, and I really like they showed they had like a steal of her and like uh Akron and Belushi like a steal from the blues from <laughs> I was waiting for like a picture and it was all alternative. So yeah, and that's uh, that's pretty much like how the movie kind of opened and ended with her her journey. Um at least in movie form. <laughs> all right, and what so what's our ratings? So sit on the sofa, watch the movie, uh, put on your shoes, have it on in the background or go outside. Don't watch it and face the crazies. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I definitely give it a sit down. I mean, it's definitely one of, of it's definitely one of those biopics that, yeah, it's a lot of pain by the number as far as a journey. But then again, like just her, her, her songs and, like, you know, and, first, and plus Jennifer Hudson just freaking killed it. Um, yeah, and, you know, the music, you know, performance, I, that kind of is like the glue that holds it together um, for being too, like, all right, I've seen this one kind of before type situation. Um, yeah, and plus, you know, Rita Franklin is definitely an artist that you definitely need to, you know, check out her discographies and actually they have a documentary amazing grace uh where that you know they film her doing the album um i i, I think it's on hulu or something like that but yeah i would say follow it up watch uh amazing grace you know the actual documentary based off you know of the amazing grace album and uh yeah i, I that yeah i give it a sit down it's definitely worth a look if you haven't watched it it's definitely you know watch. Yeah, so for me, it's actually have it on in the background. It felt like a really long Jennifer Hudson concert doing Aretha Franklin songs. Um, I feel like Aretha Franklin's story was so amazing. I mean, she interacted with all these huge people in our history and they just sort of glossed over that type of stuff. And I really wanted them to dive more into all of those elements of her life versus doing the paint by numbers biopic. Mm. Um, you know, the, the Helen Redding movie, uh, I am woman. Mm. is another like musician story. I don't know if we reviewed it or not, but I think so. that that movie really did a nice job of telling the story of the woman versus just saying, oh, she could sing. Here's her music. And I felt like it sort of did a disservice to Aretha Franklin's story mm. by not getting into everything that she really did and went through versus just, yeah, she had some hurdles to get over. Right on, right on. Oh, I, I, yeah, I, I can definitely, I can see that. Definitely. Like I said, definitely not arguing against the conventional uh, structure of, you know, how these, you know, biops are, are told. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, but I think for me, like the, just the performance just etched me over a little more towards watching it didn't, you know, <laughs> on the background. But yeah, I agree. I do, you do have, I definitely agree with definitely those, those points. Uh, 
Yeah. yeah I, I wish it would have been. Yeah, you're right. I would have loved to see her do a little bit more, show more engagement with, you know, the Black Panther situ angle and, and all that. Because I think her and Angela Davis, like, had conversations and stuff like that at a certain point in their lives. Um, that would have been cool. But, yeah, maybe the director's cut is it. <laughs> <laughs> so there you have it. Respect. Um, uh, I don't. I think it's for rent. It's for rent. I don't know if it's streaming anywhere. Yeah, uh, you can buy it on iTunes or you can rent it on Amazon Prime. Gotcha. Ooh. All right, there you have it, guys, and we will catch y'all next week with another one. Until then, we wish everyone safe, physical distancing, and oh wear a mask and get your shots. Yes. Yes. Yes.